Now the topic itself, alhamdulillah, as we mentioned, is the topic of Qur'an. And it's a very, very heavy topic. And when we mention how Qur'an is a purification of the soul, we can talk about it in many different avenues, many different ways. It's, it's a limitless topic. And to limit it to only one session or to one hour is not doing it justice. You know, like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks about the Qur'an in the Qur'an itself, He said, لَوْ أَنزَلْنَا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ جَبَلٍ لَرَأَيْتَهُ خَاشِعًا مُتَصَدِّعًا مِنْ that if we were to reveal this Qur'an upon a mountain, to a mountain, if a mountain was to re- receive the verses of revelation, you would see the mountain crumble from in being in awe of the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we look at the example of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa of how when he would receive revelation, how it was so physically, Mentally and spiritually heavy on him. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that when the Prophet when he would receive revelation, that he would be sweating profusely. That there would be so much sweat coming off of his forehead and it would be hitting the ground because of how heavy this revelation is. It's the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another Sahabi radiallahu anhu, Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu, he also narrates. That one time he was sitting with the Prophet and revelation in that moment while they were sitting together came to the Prophet and he said that in that moment it so happened that the Prophet's leg was just above mine. They were sitting together and the Prophet's leg was over the leg of Zayd and Zayd he says that in that moment that when he received revelation I felt that my leg shattered. I felt that my leg broke. Because of how much, of how heavy the Prophet Sallallahu leg became. So this is just an example of how he Sallallahu he took the, this burden of, of the weights of the Qur'an, of the weights of revelation. And so when we talk about the Qur'an, when we talk about the verses of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, our hearts automatically, they become in awe. They become humbled at just hearing the verses of, of the Qur'an. This is why, you know, as many of us we may know in our tradition, when somebody they recite Quran, you don't see anyone talking. And this is, of course, what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala commanded, commanded us to do. That when the Quran is being recited, then listen and don't speak. So that you may attain mercy. And so this is first and foremost that when we speak about the Quran, we must understand that it is not something that is light. It is a very, very heavy topic. And we must also realize and understand and look into the way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this Qur'an. What is the Qur'an itself? We know it is something that is blessed, something that was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But look at how the different ways Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to this Qur'an. He says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ Qur'an." That the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed. And then he describes this Qur'an, nas, that it is a guidance for all of mankind. And it has clear proofs for its guidance. And it distinguishes, it is a criterion. It shows you what is right and what is wrong. It is a blueprint for how to live your life. This is the Qur'an. Elsewhere in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ He says that what we have sent down as part of the Quran is a shifa, is a healing, is a cure. 
and a rahmah. It is a mercy for the believers, for those who have iman. And elsewhere in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us, ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقى That we have not revealed this Qur'an upon you to cause you distress Rather, this Qur'an is something that relieves distress, that removes worries يا أيها الناس, O mankind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Yunus قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ مَوْعِضَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ A reminder has come to you from your Lord وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ And a healing, a cure for that which is in your hearts وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ and a guidance and a mercy to the believers. And so, this is just the first principle. And when we look at these different 10 principles that we talked about, the 10 principles concerning the purification of the soul, the Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr who was going through these different principles, when he talked about these principles, and when he talked about the Quran, he referenced one ayah. And he said, he referenced the ayah, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed and granted a great favor upon the believers. What is this great favor? That He sent them a messenger from them from amongst their own selves, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yet that He is reciting and conveying the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the key word. And what is he doing by conveying these verses of the Qur'an to the Sahaba and to us by extension? Is that he is purifying them. Purifying themselves of sins. Purifying them of every single thing that they were involved with before revelation. Worshipping idols. Of all the different fawahish, all the different sins that people were involved in at the time in Mecca, before the Qur'an came. And that Rasulullah through this revelation is teaching them this kitab and hikmah, wisdom and the sunnah, his sunnah. And the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet, this is something they wholeheartedly embraced. When Islam came to them, and when specifically when revelation came to them, they listened attentively and they allowed it to enter their hearts. Which is why they have the status that they have. For example, Umar anhu, as we know, one of the greatest Sahaba. He says that even before he accepted Islam, he used to question the Rasulullah and he used to question his, you know, why what he was teaching and his message. And he said that one day he went to observe the Prophet while he was leading the salah, and he was hearing the Prophet recite the verses. From Surah Al-Haqqah إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ Or this is, I, I quoted the wrong ayah he, he, he referred to the verses in Surah Al-Haqqah towards the end of the surah In which he says that إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ That this is indeed the very the word of a honored messenger Of a noble messenger This is the verse that Rasulullah was reading Meaning that this Qur'an has been directly conveyed to Rasulullah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without its meaning ever being altered, without its words ever being changed. And this in itself is a miracle of the Quran by the way. Because as we know the Prophet وسلم, he was someone he could not read, he could not write. And so when the Quran was revealed, nobody could claim that this was coming from the Prophet himself. No one could say that this is something that is being made up. 
that this is just a speech of a man. Rather, of course, as we know, it is something greater than that. And so Umar radiallahu anhu, he says that as he read, as he read this verse and he, as he was reading Quran, I began to think that this is the words of a poet, that this is perhaps just something, some form of poetry. And the next verse that comes after this verse, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ قَلِيلًا مَا That this is not the words of a shair, of a person who is a poet, and very little do you believe. Then Umar radiallahu says to himself that maybe he is a soothsayer, someone who is involved with fortune telling, magic, and somehow you know came up with these verses. The next verse that the next verse that comes, وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ And this is not the قول, this is not the words of someone who is a soothsayer. Very little do you understand and very little do you remember. And the next verse that comes, that this rather is revelation from Rabbil Alameen, from the Lord, from the Lord of Al Alameen, from the Lord of the world, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And elsewhere, the same similar ayah comes when you look at Surah Taha. Taha, ma anzalna alayk al Quran al Tashqa. إِلَّا تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى تَنْزِيلًا مِمَّنْ خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ That this is tanzeel, this is revelation that has been revealed from the one who has created the earth and the lofty and the upright skies. And so, this is the same verses that Umar when he accepted Islam, when he came to Islam, he read these verses. And many of us we may know this story that when Umar when he went out and one day he decided that I'm going, today is the day that I'm going to kill the Messenger of Allah And as he was on his way, someone stopped him and said that why don't you go to your own home? Don't you, haven't you heard your own sister accepted Islam? Why don't you go there first? We, many of us may have heard this story. And he went to his own, he went to the house of his sister. And he hit his sister, he hit his, his brother-in-law. He said, what, what are you doing? That why have you accepted this? Why are you following this man, Muhammad and after he came down and he made wudu and he opened the Quran, what, what were the verses that he read? That we have not sent you this, this revelation, this Quran to distress you. And immediately after that, he accepted the message. And his heart was inclined and accepting of this message. And this shows you how the Sahaba and even now, people, many people, alhamdulillah, their hearts are accepting of the Quran. This is why nowadays when you see many people, one of the main reasons why many people are coming to Islam is because of the Qur'an, how heavy and lofty the Qur'an is. And it's sometimes it's a feeling that many people they can't describe. We've all seen, I'm sure, videos where people they listen to the Qur'an. They don't know what it is. They may think it's a song or, or something of that nature. Of course, we know it's Qur'an. But they say that I'm feeling a feeling that I can't describe. And this shows you the, the how beautiful and how majestic the Qur'an is. That this comes truly and solely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We look at the example of some of the other Sahaba radiallahu anhu. For example, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. When he was the Khalifa, and he was known by the way throughout his entire life after revelation came, that he was someone who was, his heart was attached to the Qur'an. When he used to lead the prayers and the salah, he would constantly be crying. Because of he was so in awe of what he was reading. He was constantly reflecting and pondering upon the verses that he was reading. And it came to such a point that when Rasulullah when he was on his deathbed, when he was about to pass away, 
and he appointed Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to lead the to lead the salat to lead the prayers. Many people, the wives of the Prophet they tried to make an argument against this. They said that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, when he leads the prayer, he tends to cry a lot. He gets very emotional, so it becomes very hard to hear him. And so this this is the case they made. And Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he beautifully responded that this is how it should be. This is how a, a person's heart should be connected to the Quran, pondering upon what the Quran is telling us. And another story is that later on in the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, when he was Khalifa, a group of people they came from Yemen to accept Islam, and they accepted Islam, and they requested. They said that, can we hear some of the recitation of Qur'an? And so they listened to the recitation of Qur'an and all of them, every single person in the group, they began crying. They began weeping from hearing the Qur'an. And Abu Bakr anhu, he said something very famous. He said, He said, we used to be like this, but then our hearts hardened. Upon seeing other people crying, this is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, the person that we just said that when he would recite, he would cry, he would become emotional because of how heavy the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were for him. He said, this is how we used to be, but then our hearts became hardened. What does this mean? Obviously, the first time we hear something, the first time we do something, the first time we have some form of spiritual experience, a connection to the words of Allah, a connection to our deen, we may feel overwhelmed. But often over time, whether it's due to sins, whether it's due to being detached from our religion, whether it's not having that connection with our Creator and with what we have been obligated to do, our hearts over time, they become hardened. And this is what Abu Bakr was referring to exactly. And a similar parable is, is, is given to us in the Quran itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ in Surah Baqarah ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that your hearts, they have become hardened so much to a point that they are like a rock or even harder than that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes and He breaks up these different types of rocks which in this example are similar to a heart. And He breaks this, these rocks into different types of categories. And He says, he says that from some rocks, rivers gush forth. And from some rocks, and then he continues and he says, And from some rocks, a little amount of water becomes, comes, comes forth. For example, if you hit a rock hard enough, some water will come forth once it opens. And some rocks, they don't have any water, but they just fall out of an awe and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is never unaware of what you are doing. Now, this example, it shows us how the hearts, they become hardened over time. But what is the cure to this? And it goes back to as the topic that we mentioned. This topic of how the Qur'an is a means of purifying the soul, of softening the hearts. And sometimes, as naturally, we often we make excuses. And this is something that we've done, and unfortunately it has less, left, led to us abandoning the Qur'an. But sometimes we make excuses, and we say that, you know, I don't necessarily understand the Qur'an. You know, just looking around the room, for most of us, Arabic is not our mother tongue. 
Right? So we make this excuse that it's hard for me to read the Quran. It's hard for me, I don't understand what I'm reading. You know, a, there's a, a story of a, of a young man who he found himself in a similar situation. And he went to his Quran teacher and he said that when I read the Quran, I don't, I don't understand the meaning, I don't understand the language. And so what's the purpose of me reading the Quran? And so the teacher, he sent this young man in a beautiful, in a beautiful manner to teach him a lesson. And he sent him with a basket. And the basket had holes in it, similar to a trash can that you may see. And he sent him with this basket which was full of dirt. It was a, it was a, it was a very dirty basket. And he sent him and he said, go to the river and collect as much water as you can and bring it back to me. And so this man, this boy, he took this basket full of holes and he went to the river and he tried to collect some water and bring it back. Now obviously because this basket has holes all around it and all over it, he's not able to connect, collect any water. Every time he brings the basket out of the river, all the water falls out. So eventually after trying you know, a number of times, he gives up and he just comes back. And he says that, look, you know, why did you send me on this, you know, this, this lesson, this mission? I was unable to accomplish anything. I came back with no water. And so this teacher, he beautifully explains, he says that, look at this basket, I sent, it with, I sent it with you. And while I sent it with you in the beginning, it was very, very dirty. But you, by dipping it into the water and by attempting to collect this water and bring it back over time, and as many times as you did that, what happened to the basket? The dirt became dirty. And he said that this is exactly what happens to your heart. When you have Qur'an in your heart, when you are reading the Qur'an, when you are memorizing the Qur'an, when you are reflecting upon the Qur'an, and most importantly, when you're acting upon the Qur'an, and you're trying your best to follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do in the Qur'an, and, and to stay away from what He has told us to stay away from, that's when your heart becomes humble. That's when your heart becomes more pure, more sincere. A heart that when you hear the Qur'an, you start crying. A heart that when you listen to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you become overwhelmed and you become in awe that look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us and it's hard, it's hard for many of us because as we mentioned, it, we don't necessarily understand we don't necessarily even take the time or effort to learn and understand but there's a lot of virtue in just sitting down and, and reflecting and understanding the Qur'an for the one where it's harder for him to learn, to read, to memorize the Qur'an he gets more reward than the one who it's easy for him. Isn't that enough motivation for us? And like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرُنَا الْقُرْآنَ That we have made this Quran easy for remembrance. So who will take upon this task? Who will remember the Quran? But unfortunately, and we all have to be a little harsh here, we all have to look inside our own selves and reflect that what is our own state of connection with the Quran? How much Quran are we reciting on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? When's the last time we picked up the Qur'an? And when we have this retrospective mentality, when we're constantly thinking and reflecting upon ourselves and our, our relationship with the Qur'an, that's how you get better. That's how you attain closeness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And going back to the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, the people who were at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they were constantly, their lives revolved and were constantly surrounded with the Qur'an. One example of this is that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he passed away, Umm Ayman, radiallahu anha, someone who 
knew the Prophet from birth, helped raise him, saw him grow up, was one of the first people to accept Islam. When the Prophet passed away and died, she was in a state where she was constantly crying. And she was, of course, very upset, very visibly upset. And so Umar and Abu Bakr they decided to visit her. You know, to console her, to say that, you know, that Muhammad we knew he was going to pass and he has left this world, you know, to offer her some condolences and to be there for her and to give her some form of patience. And she said something that is so beautiful. And she said that I knew, I always knew that Rasulullah was going to pass away. And she said that I'm not crying because he passed away. Rather, I'm crying. Why? Because revelation has stopped. Because revelation, the Quran, Wahi coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now stopped. This was how much they enjoyed. This is how much their hearts were connected to the Quran. And so for us, this is something that we have to build towards. What is the first step in, in, in for us to purify our souls? For us to have some sort of connection with the Quran. The first and foremost is to connect with the Quran by acting upon it. This is the only thing that we have been obligated to do in regards to the Quran. Nowhere does it say that it is mandatory for every single person to recite the Quran every, to finish the whole Quran in you know, a week, every week, read through the entire Quran, or to memorize the entire Quran. Of course, there are many virtues and benefits of doing so, like the hadith of the Prophet in which he taught us the reward of reading just one letter of Quran, where he, in which he said that when you recite Quran for every single letter that you get 10 good deeds. And Alif, Lam, Mim is not one letter, rather Alif is one letter, Lam is one letter, and Mim is one letter. So just by saying Alif, Lam, Mim, imagine you're getting 30 good deeds. How easy that is. This is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the beauty and the wisdom of this religion. And for us, we should be taking advantage of these opportunities, despite it not being easy for us. All we have to do is make time for it. If you want the Qur'an to be a part of your life, if you want to act upon the Qur'an, of course, you have to read it. You have to make an effort to learn it, to memorize it, to understand what is the meaning, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling me in this Qur'an. And it will happen over time, it's not going to happen overnight. But the first thing is that you get started. And there are so many initiatives for, for the brothers and, and for the sisters. There's so many classes, so many ways for you to learn about the Qur'an, to get your hearts aligned and intact to, and connected with the Qur'an. But know that most importantly, that it is important for you to act upon the Qur'an. The Sahaba when they would learn Qur'an, there were many Sahaba who did not memorize the entire Qur'an. There were many Sahaba, but they used to say as the Sahaba it was their practice, that when they would learn, for example, when they would learn 10 verses of Qur'an, they would not move on to the next 10 verses until they understood the meaning of and implemented and acted upon those 10 verses. After they had done so, only then would they move on. And this is something that we should take this example and apply our own selves. How often when we do read Quran, sometimes we're just zooming through it. You know, we're not necessarily reflecting upon what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in this Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He asked us this rhetorical question in the Qur'an, Quran? That do you not reflect, do you not re ponder over the Qur'an? Or are there locks upon their hearts? Because that's what happens when a person, when they don't reflect upon the Qur'an, when they don't ponder upon what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, 
your heart becomes numb to everything that is you know, being said, that is being recited. You can listen to the entire Qur'an, you can listen to the most powerful verse in the Qur'an, it'll have no effect on you. That shows you that something is wrong. And elsewhere, the sim a similar ayah, Allah subhanahu wa says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنِ That you did not ponder and reflect upon the Qur'an. وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافٍ كَثِيرًا that if this Qur'an was to, re was to be revealed from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would have found many, many variations, many different ikhtilaf, many different, diff many different you know, anomalies, many different mistakes, as we could say. But this Qur'an is perfect. This Qur'an is a miracle. And this Qur'an is something that we must bring into our lives. I'll end, inshallah, with a brief story of the person, this Imam, Imam Al-Fudayr ibn Ayyad, the one who said that the only obligation that we have in the verse of the Quran is that our obligation is to act upon the Quran. But nowadays people they have made it their obligation to just recite and to listen to the Quran. Rather, the obligation is to act upon the Quran. There's a beautiful story of how he became someone who is one of the scholars that many people now they reference his work. And they say the story is that for 40 years of his life, the first 40 years of his life, he was known as someone who was a criminal. This is a great big imam, one of the imam of the tabi'een. He was someone in the first 40 years of his life, he was a criminal. And the crime that he was known for was that he used to be someone, as we can say in that time, was known for doing highway robbery. He would rob people. And obviously being in, in that time, in, desert, in the desert environment and whatnot, this was something that would happen a lot to people who were, whether they were in caravans or whether they were living in, you know, rural areas. This is something that would happen to them. And so a story goes, the story goes that he, once he was surveilling one of the houses that he was about to rob. Because this was, you know, the habit. The person who was about to rob the house, they would surveil the house that they're about to rob. And so as he's about, he's, as he's surveilling this house, he hears the person inside the house reciting Quran. And the verse that the person is reading, it comes from Surah Al-Hadid. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُنُوا كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَالْأَمَنِ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ He listens to this verse, the verse mentioned in Surah Al-Hadid, the translation which is, that has the time not come, أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ and that their hearts become in awe, in a state of humility and humbleness at the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what has been removed and what has been revealed from the truth. And if they don't be like those who are given scripture, be given revelation in the past, and a long time passed by in which they abandoned the scripture, in which they abandoned the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and what happened as a result? Their hearts became hardened. And many of them became wrongdoers. And so this is an example, it just goes to show what happens if you abandon the Quran. That your heart is the thing that becomes affected. And this is what we're working on throughout this, these halakas and all of us coming here and, and, and trying to benefit all for the same purpose. Seeing the brotherhood, the sisterhood, seeing us being here united for the same purpose. And knowing this topic, purification of the soul, purification of the heart, knowing that the Qur'an is the best way for us to purify our souls. This is something that should motivate us. 
to bring the Quran more into our lives. Whatever level of connection we have with the Quran right now, we can improve it. Especially knowing that the month of Ramadan is only right, is right around the corner, it's just a couple of months away. And knowing that we should be doing whatever we can to get ready for that moment, if we even make it. If we even make it to Ramadan. But we should be doing whatever we can to bring the Quran more into our lives. And have the brothers around you, have the sisters around you, be supportive of one another. If you have a goal to memorize a certain surah, reach out to one of your friends. You know, hey, I'm trying to learn an ayah a day. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's, it's not as hard as you think. Start off easy. I'm trying to memorize just one ayah. I'm trying to forget even memorizing. I'm trying to just read one ayah of Quran and read its translation and bring that ayah and implement it into my life. And see how far that takes you. When you have that consistency, and as we know the hadith of Prophet the most beloved, the most beloved deeds and actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are done consistently, even if they are very few. So whatever state you are in right now, your relationship with the Quran, make an effort to increase that. And think about not only what you need to do, but what you not, what you not what, what you shouldn't be doing. For example, if you have a hard time listening to music, that's going to affect your relationship with Quran. As Ibn Qayyim he said that when these two melodies, when they are, exist in the heart together, one is going to kick the other out. They both can't exist together. And so think about this, reflect upon this, bring the Quran more into your life. You'll see that some of the lyrics that you're listening to, some of the songs that you're listening to, you're not going to want to listen to them anymore. You're going to replace those with Quran. You're going to be listening to more and more Quran, listening to more explanations of the Quran of this verse when you have a question you can go directly to the Quran this is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what can be greater speech than the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nothing and so it's a reminder to myself all of us I'll end here inshallah and give it to brother Muhammad is that we try our best to work on the state of our hearts by bringing the Quran more and more into our lives
and it's about a thousand plus abiyat, a thousand plus stems called Shaqibiyyah, right? And he says as he introduces the Qur'an and its rulings, he says, and what is a greater intercessor to have than the Qur'an? Right? What is a greater intercessor to have than the Qur'an? What we mean by intercessor is, who will plead for you on the day of judgment? And is Qur'an created? Yes or no? The Qur'an is created? He's nodding, right here. Okay, we have one scholar says Qur'an is created. Do we have ijma' agreement? So who disagrees? You disagree? So khilaf, right here, khilaf, mashallah. You want to adjust what you said? You mean like created? Okay, because is it like a play? Is it, are you trying to trick me? I don't know. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> How am I trying to trick you? No, I asked a question, right? Is Quran created, yes or no? Uh, it, was, it was sent down. Sent down. I need more than this. I asked you a question, you're going around the bush here. I don't know, okay. <laughs> no, no, keep going, it's okay. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to like look at the technical terms, I don't know if created. I get, yeah, because I don't have too much knowledge on it, but no worries, isn't no it sent to uh, the Prophet through, to, yeah, to through uh, uh, Allah through Jibreel? Uh, Jibreel Good. So. You're going you're to answer this question, trust me. I'm going to keep <laughs> okay. on asking you a question, you're going to answer it. Like, who, this Quran, Prophet is related to us, right? Sahih? Yes? Who gave it to the Prophet? Who came and taught it to him verbatim? Jibreel. Jibreel. Where did Jibreel get it from? Allah. Allah. So Allah spoke these words, yes? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. So in that case, if Allah spoke these words, are these words created? Is Allah created? Is Allah created? Yeah. No. no. So his speech is not, is it created, yes or no? No. No. So it's not created. I told you you're going to answer it. <laughs> no worries. The Quran is not created. Back to the point. The Imam says, and what better intercessor to have in the Quran? Because the Hadith said the Prophet told us on the day of judgment, the Muslims will come and the Quran will intercede for you. This Qur'an, the speech of Allah, this Qur'an that we read and we listen to on a daily, it will intercede for you, as long as you what? You applied it. As long as you applied it, it will intercede for you, right? This Qur'an will come in a way that Allah decrees, and will say, this man so-and-so, he read me, he pondered upon me, and he applied what was inside this book. Or it will come and say, this man was aware of me, but he failed to, he failed to follow the legislation found in it. He read me, he memorized me, but he didn't apply it. So he's going to speak against you. So here the Imam is saying, what better intercessor to have on the day of judgment than the speech of Allah, the words of Allah, the words Allah spoke and sent down as preserved for 1400 plus years. What better intercessor than what is attributed back to Allah? Right? This will intercede for you. What better than this? Then he continues and says, and then I'll may Allah have mercy upon him. And what better gathering to have than a gathering that is based upon the Qur'an? A gathering where people come together, they call up one another, they come to the masjid, they go to the house of one another, they travel to seek the knowledge, and the, the, the point behind it and the initiative behind it is the Qur'an. What better gathering to come together, like we're doing today, than to come for the Qur'an, the speech of Allah. The words Allah spoke from above seven heavens and sent down to His Messenger, to this worldly life here. For, the, for all of creation and mankind to read and understand their purpose and learn perspective and understand what is truly moral and truly immoral and understand what to do, how to live your life to attain success in this worldly life and most importantly to attain success in the eternal life, the hereafter. May Allah make us from those who are successful then. That's the true life, right? This book gives you all the answers you need. So what better gathering to have than a gathering that is? We're speaking about the Qur'an, whether we're reciting it 
whether we're going over its meanings, right? Whether we're going over its history, anything that is based on the Quran, there's barakah in it. Okay. Who is the best man of what third? Let me tell you why. The Quran. This is why he's the best man of what third. Okay. What is the best month out of all the months in the Hijri calendar? Why? This is why Ramadan is the best month. No other reason. What's the best day? Oh, what's the best night? The night of the night of the creed. Right? Who's the best ummah? The best of nations. The best of nations. There's many nations. We've been around for thousands of years, right? What's the best nation to walk the earth? The Ummah of whom? Muhammad Sassan. Why? Because it's the Ummah of the what? The Quran. Anything that is associated with the Quran has utmost barakah. Anything that is associated with the Quran. Right? That's what I want to start with. And we're going to mention a couple of things, inshallah ta'ala, just a couple of virtues, right? From the Quran. And a couple of, inshallah ta'ala, uh, different approaches when it comes to the Quran. So virtues to bring us some motivation to approach the Quran and a couple of character, uh, a couple of conditions or a couple of ways to approach the Quran so we walk away with something practical, right? And it'll be very brief, inshallah ta'ala, because inshallah at the end we have something very special going on in the time. Let's talk about how do we approach the Quran. Very simple. In the right? There's a verse in the Quran which tells us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Those who we have given on the scripture, they recite it in a manner that is befitting. They give it its rights. Right? The scholars go ahead and interpret reciting the Quran and giving it its rights. There are three conditions required for you to give the Quran its rights. The apparency of the ayah says that the one who recites it gives it his rights by reciting it, right? But there are three conditions to give the Qur'an its rights, right? And every condition must come in order for you to be someone who is considered to be given the Qur'an its rights. The first condition is that you read it and you memorize it. To the best of your ability. You read it and you memorize it, right? And you do your best to learn the proper etiquettes of reading the Qur'an. Right? The tajweed, the pronunciation of the, of the letters and the likes. Right? A science has been preserved ever since it came down on the Prophet. Allah, every single detail of Quran is preserved. Every little dhamma. Right? Fatha, kisra, the two dots under your yet, the, the three dots on top of your sheen and your fat. Right? All has been preserved. Every little detail. And it's sold to the teeth. And specific that you changing just one vowel, not even a letter, a vowel, will change the whole meaning and distort the meaning. And many scholars consider it to be someone who is what sinful if you're doing this knowingly, right? Reciting it improperly. If you're doing it knowingly, right? So reading the Quran and memorizing it to the best of your ability. That's the first thing you must do. Second condition is that you ponder and understand the context in the text that's inside it. Right? That is the most important thing to do. Ponder and understand what the Quran says. This Quran is only going to benefit you. This speech of Allah. We don't need to do it. 
we need to understand how valuable the speeches of Abu Umar was, was mentioned. How valuable the speeches? Do you understand this was uh, the creator of the universe? If I brought you a book written by a CEO, or a multi-millionaire, right? Or some king, right? Or a president, or someone of status or authority, right? And he wrote you a book, right? Cover to cover, telling you how to attain success, or how to become rich, or the likes, anything that's to do with this materialistic worldly life, right? A lot of people hasten towards this kind of text. A lot of people hasten to go get these books and listen to lectures on YouTube and get well versed in it. Why? Because they want the dunya. They want this dunya, this worldly life, this materialistic worldly life that these people have attained, they want it. So of course they want to take their what? Advice. And take their path. We're talking about Rabbul Alameen. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who knows you more than your own self. Who knows you more than your own self. Right? The one who created everything around you. The one you're going to return to alone. And he alone is going to judge every single thing you did in this worldly life. He spoke words and brought it down, and from his mercy it was compiled into a book, right? So it can teach you how to live your life. You will not benefit from it if you don't understand it. You don't ponder upon it. How many people have memorized the Quran rather have gotten to a point where they recite it beautifully, beautifully, but they don't know what they are saying? Allah, if you die, you pass away, you leave this worldly life, and you are not acquainted with the the text of the Quran, you don't know the, the true sweetness that's found in this Quran, Wallahi, you have lost. You have lost. You left this dunya without tasting the only form of paradise in this dunya. In the Taymiyyah, he mentions, he says, there is a paradise in this dunya. If one does not hasten to attain it, they will not get close to the paradise of the hereafter. What is this paradise in this dunya? Al-Quran. The Quran. So imagine leaving this worldly life, this temporary minutes, days, hours, months, that go by so quickly, and your soul leaves your body, and you had no relationship with the Quran, meaning you had no understanding in what was brought in this revelation. A revelation that was truly, if you open it, it would have led you towards a straight path. It would have helped you attain happiness and tranquility, and avoid depression and anxiety. This Quran. And you left this worldly life without tasting a portion of Jannah. That's the true man at loss. So that's the second condition. Pondering and understanding the text. Who can guess what's the third one? We said first one, first condition is reading and memorizing. Second condition is understanding and pondering. What's the third one? Applying. 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 Now how much of a loss is the one who reads? who memorizes, who ponders, and has understood, and he walks and contradicts this Qur'an 24-7. Who do you think is more at loss? The one who actually didn't even open it and care to understand it. At least he's ignorant that it was even existent. At least he's ignorant about the fruits and the sweetness and the legislation that was inside this book. But how about the one who's acquainted with it, who understands it, but walks and, and contradicts it 24-7? And wallahi, this is the hal, this is the state of many of us. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us from being from those who this Quran is the proof against them. Prophet mentions in the hadith, he says, Al Quran al-Hujjatan laka la awalay. Prophet says, Al Quran al-Hujjatan laka awalay. The Quran is a proof for you or against you. The meaning is clear. The Quran is a proof for you, meaning it will intercede for you as long as you applied it. And it's against you. You didn't apply it. 
Does that make sense? It's as simple as that, right? And it's very easy to read from the second category than the first. Because we have souls and desires that kind of overtake morality at times. And if one does not take the time to cleanse the soul, right, and fight their desires, it's very easy for your desires to overtake you and just lead the way and be what dictates your your, your thinking and your ideas and whatever you do and what you think is right and wrong. It's very easy for your desires to just overtake your whole body. For some people, they actually are in the same way they worship their desires. Some people are in the same way they what? They worship their desires. Meaning, whatever their desires call to, that is what they do. And they will neglect morality. They will neglect what the Lord has told them. They will neglect what is truly correct. Right? They will neglect all of that. Simply because they have let their desires dictate and take control of their body. Right? So may Allah protect us and may Allah grant us souls that are cleansed and purified with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the three approaches of the Quran. And wallah it's very simple. Quran Umar mentioned the verse that is mentioned a couple of, a couple of times in Surah Al-Qamar. Allah repeats this verse a couple of times to remind us. We made the Quran easy for remembrance. We made it easy, and the proof of this is how many millions of people have memorized this Quran. 600 pages. And people have memorized it. People are walking Qurans. We have so many people that have this Quran memorized that if one had the ability to take and destroy every single Mus'ah that was on the face of this earth, we have people that will be able to write it in the manner that it was preserved for 1400 years. That's how preserved this Quran is. And that is Allah's promise and miracle when He says, Allah says, We have verily brought down the revelation and we will preserve it. We are going to preserve it. There are going to be people who come and try to dismantle it and play with it and take from it and misinterpret it, but we're going to preserve it. It's going to be preserved. Look how many people have this memorized. Do you know anyone else that can memorize, memorize 600 pages of anything? No other book, anyone can do that usually. Unless you're in Bukhari, mashallah. Not Bukhari. Hafiz. Mashallah. Right? But those people are rare. This Quran, people who don't even know Arabic. Their tongue isn't even the Arab tongue. They memorize the Quran. That is Allah's miracle. Right? So it's easy. But one just gotta have the strap to do it. And what are some virtues? We'll mention some virtues and we'll end. Inshallah, the next class we have, we'll talk about Akhlaq Hamilatul We'll talk about the mannerisms of the one who desires to be from the people of the Quran. This is what we need as an ummah. Wallahi could have one surah memorized, one page memorized, one juz memorized, right? But if you are someone who strives towards having the mannerisms of the people of the Quran, Wallahi, you are the one who is going to have utmost virtue on the Day of Judgment. More than the one who has read it, memorized it, or even leads the people in it beautifies his recitation in it, but he did not have the tawfiq and the ability to be beautified with the manners of the Quran. This is why the Quran is here. So you take it as a guidance and beautify yourself with the legislation that is in it, with the mannerisms that is in it. The Prophet one of the companions asked Aisha He said, Oh Aisha, describe to us the mannerisms and the character of the Prophet Aisha radiallahu anha mentions, he says, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ 
look how comprehensive the statement is. She could have sat there and been like, okay, well, this is how he is with his family. This is how he smiles. This is how he treats his neighbors. This is how he treats his enemy. This is how he treats his companions. This is how he treats the children. This is how he treats the people in need. She could have simply done that, right? And given them so much detail so they could walk away with so much benefit and apply it. But she sufficed herself with a couple of words. And those couple of words is a very strong statement. When she was asked about his mannerisms, she said, his mannerisms was the Quran. And this is what is requested from every Muslim. That you walk and you move in accordance to this book. In accordance to this book. This book teaches you how to treat your family, how to treat your children, how to treat the needy, right? It teaches you how to have self-respect. It teaches you how to uplift yourself. It teaches you how to gain confidence. It teaches you how to to, to encounter situations of calamities and hardship and adversity. It teaches you how to be humble. It teaches you how to humble yourself at the times of prosperity. It teaches you everything you need. Every trait that you praise someone with today, right? The Quran teaches you how to attain that. The Quran teaches you how to attain that, right? Allah, there is nothing better than having this as your best friend. And one will truly be in a state of success when they are content and being alone with this book. The people of the past used to yearn to be alone and leave off their communities and societies so they can be behind closed doors so they can recite this book and they can open it. Because they knew that this book was Allah directly speaking. This is how you must approach the Quran. You must open up this book and be like, this is my Lord talking to me. Allah is talking to me. This is how you approach the Quran. And this is how these people were. How much, if, if only our hearts were pure, if only our hearts were pure, right? You would feel the sensation and the enjoyment that you're opening up a book, right? And the conclusion you come to is, man, my Lord is talking to me. The one who created me is talking to me. And he's not just talking to me, having a conversation with me. He's telling me what I need to do to attain his mercy and pleasure and security and salvation. To have him as my guardian. What if Allah is your guardian? Wallah, you don't need any type of authority in this dunya. If Allah is the one by your side. If you are certain Allah is by your side. Do you need anyone else? Will anyone else suffice as a guardian? Will anyone else suffice as a method of aid and assistance? No. This is your way to that. It's the Quran. So what are some of these virtues? What is one of the most common names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Merciful. Al-Rahman. What, what, what did you say? Merciful. The merciful, which is what in Arabic? Al-Rahman. Al-Rahman is found every time we start a surah. Bismillah. Al-Rahman. Right? Al-Rahman, this name, Al-Rahman is mentioned 17 times a day in our salah. Your salah is not accepted, except that you recite these words, Al-Rahman. Right? Most merciful. Allah Azza wa Jalla says about His mercy that His mercy outweighs everything else. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, uh, the Prophet Ali says in the Hadith that Allah Azza wa Jalla created one hundred segments of His mercy. He's put one portion of that mercy in this dunya, and ninety-nine of it is left where? On the day of judgment. Now we're going to see, we're going to see why, how His mercy is shown to us on the day of judgment. First and foremost, is there a surah that goes by this name, Al-Rahman? Who's acquainted with the surah? Or at least the first couple of verses. Anyone acquainted with it? You're nodding your head a little bit. Can you give me like the first two or three? Can you? 
الرحمن علم القرآن. اه كان يقول ورمون. خلق الإنسان. خلق الإنسان. الرحمة. The most merciful. علم القرآن. He taught the Quran. خلق الإنسان. He created mankind. This surah. If one wants a general idea of the surah, this surah is titled the most merciful, which is one of the names of Allah. Right? And as a form of encouragement to go back to the surah, perhaps, and read it, this whole surah, every verse is showing us why he's the most merciful. Every verse is telling us why he's Ar-Rahman. Allah is teaching about himself, his capabilities, what he's bestowed and blessed with uh, mankind with, how he's created the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon, how he's given us sustenance and provision, most importantly, how he's beautified the paradise. How he showed us how to attain paradise. All of this is in the Rahman. You want to learn about this beautiful name of Allah, Al Rahman, go back to the Surah, read his translation. Simple. Go read a simple English translation. You will learn so much. And you will have a better relationship with your Lord, I promise. If you just come with this Surah first, go to the Surah and read it. Brief translation. We just said this whole Surah, every verse, Allah is mentioning things about that describe his mercy. What is the first thing Allah attributes back to his mercy? He taught the Quran. Meaning the main reason of his mercy being present in this earth, the main thing that shows us and proves to us this mercy is him teaching the Quran. This is why. Because without this Quran, there's no guidance. Without this Quran, there's no way of life. Without this Quran, no morality. Without this Quran, no direction. Right? Look at the people, the people who live their lives without the Quran. Look how dismantled and dispersed their affairs are. Look how hor horrible mannerisms and etiquette, immoral people. And I don't gotta go into specifics, not getting into politics, but just look at this country and look what has turned to be morally correct and accepted. Seriously, look what has turned to be morally correct and accepted. Things that are beyond us, truly ajib, strange, right? Why? Simply, they don't have Quran. They have no relationship with their Lord, no relationship with Allah. No relationship with the one who has taught you what is morally correct and morally incorrect. Look at the lives of people who don't have the Quran. They may have all this materialistic stuff, but they are still in a state where they feel like they're in poverty. Depressed out of their mind. Depressed out of their mind. Well, the one who does not know the Lord will never learn about themselves. That's what people, that's the common quote today, right? I'm just trying to find myself now. I'm just trying to learn my purpose here. That's what people say, right? People will just have given up. This is what they say, man, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm just trying to learn more about myself, man. I'm gonna travel here, I'm just gonna secure myself. I'm gonna just leave the area for a year or two, you know, and I'm just gonna try to learn about myself a little. I'm it's not funny, people are laughing. It's not funny, this is true. It's a serious issue that people are going through. And it's causing people to be given this medical diagnosis, where they're what? They're mentally ill, and it's true, it is real, right? You will never overcome this illness if you don't know your Lord. And the only way to know your Lord is through this book. And the first thing Allah says about His mercy is He taught the Quran. Before He even mentions creating mankind. This next verse is Khalaq al-Insan. He created mankind. Right? The scholars say Allah has put teaching the Quran before the creation of mankind because mankind are in a state of negligence and have no direction if there's no Quran in their lives. 
What does Allah say about the people who have neglected his way and his legislation? Allah says the people who have neglected his way, the Quran, his, the morals he set in stone for us, verily they are like the cattle. Why did Allah use cattle? Animals in general, what? They eat, they drink, right? They mate, they make children, they have habitats, they have shelters, correct? But what makes animals different than men and women? Intellect. We have intellect to be able to differentiate between right and wrong. Can animals do that? They don't have intellect. That's why animals will not be what? How to count on the day of judgment. They're not going to be in Jahannam and Jannah. Because Allah did not give them this blessing of what? Intellect. Why does Allah says that, say that mankind, a portion of them, are just like cattle? Allah rather doesn't stop there. He says, rather they are more misguided. They're more misguided than the cattle. Why does Allah describe them like this? Because men who decided to leave off the way of their creator, the one who they're going to return back to, leave off this way, they've been given an intellect. And they see signs all around them to prove that there's a creator and they're going to return back to him. But they have yet, they have, they have chosen to take away other than the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they do have intellect. But rather their intellect is of no benefit because it's not in accordance to does that make sense? Right? So this is our rahmat One more virtue. It has to do with the day of judgment. And we'll stop there, inshallah. Any benefits, like I did last week and the weeks before, right? Whenever we bring other benefits outside of the book, and I did send the book out that we're going over, right? So people can follow along, do their own review. So here. But sometimes we bring things and, you know, other quotes and hadith and verses that are not found in this book. I try to bring the book with me, right? And this is just an encouragement so people know that what? You need to know where you're getting your information from. Not just merely someone just speaking and he got, he got, mashallah, he knows how to speak. He got public speaking skills. And he knows how to speak on a microphone and you just take everything. He says, no, you need to know the source. Right? So last week we brought what? What book? Who remembers that book that I brought? Adele with the illness and the cure. And we brought benefits from there. Rather, we, we read it directly off of it, right? Everything I mentioned right now is found in this book by Imam Nawawi. The one who explains the hey Muslim is called a Tibyanu fi Akhlaqi Hamilat al Quran, right? Basically, a book talking about the characteristics and the mannerisms of the people of what? The people of Quran. Mamma know we from the greatest scholars to walk. Right? We can go into Bayri later. One more virtue, and we'll cut there. And it has to be on the Day of Judgment. There's many virtues of the Quran, we'll mention it next week, inshallah. On the Day of Judgment, there will be a, a specific group of people. Allah has claimed to be from his family. Some of you be like, what? Look, I just looked at me. What are you saying? Allah family? You're crazy. Right? That's how you looked at me, right? Like Allah has family? Nah, you tripping. Allah has no, you know, he's not given birth to, nor has he given birth to anything. He's alone. He's by himself. That's Allah. Right? So I said, family, everyone started looking at me like, oh man, now this guy's. He's on something, right? Allah says, the Prophet says in the hadith, he says, Verily for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this worldly life, He has people that are classified as His what? As His family. As His people. Right? These people who have this attribution back to Allah, you are directly tied to Allah. Allah said, you are from His family. You are from His people. He is your guardian. Who are these people? 
Right? They're the people of Allah, and they're specific for Allah, they're the people of Quran. They're the people of Quran. You have a direct tie back to Allah. And he said, that way is for you to be acquainted with this book. You are tied to your creator. How many of us will wish a lineage back to the richest man walking? Or someone who's been blessed with status or fame? Many people will wish for this. How about a, a lineage or a title or an inscription back to Allah? That's your way. Quran. And it's right between our hands. Open it. Open it. Right? That's the first thing. That's the virtue. On the day of judgment, there is a specific group of people who have a specific treatment by Allah. A specific treatment from Allah. Right? The believers in general, the people who die upon singling out Allah and living according to the legislation, they are going to have the greatest treatment. Regardless. And of course, they're in love with it, right? But from them is a specific group that have a, a great treatment from Allah. A specific treatment from Allah. That only them gets. No one else gets. And these people are the people of Quran. The people of Quran, as it mentions in the hadith, are those who read the Quran, who their lives are based on the Quran, and they move in accordance to the legislation of the Quran. Whenever we say Ahl al Quran, whenever we say people of the Quran, this is what we intend. The first characteristic is they are the people who apply the Qur'an. That's the first characteristic, right? And they are people who legit cannot leave the Qur'an. They cannot leave the Qur'an and they move in accordance with the Qur'an, right? Allah Azzawajal, for these people, has promised crowns. Has promised crowns for the parents of the people of Qur'an on the Day of Judgment. In another hadith is specified and it said that the the people of Qur'an, them and their parents are going to be ca called up by Allah specifically. They're going to be called up by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And they're going to be in front of creation. Everyone's ever walked the earth. They're going to be in front of creation. And in front of all of creation, Allah is going to honor the parents. The parents, not, we're not even talking about the one who is known to be the person of Qur'an. Allah is going to honor the parents of this individual and place a crown on their heads in front of all of creation and elevate their status in Jannah. And then the end of the hadith says, So if this is the case of the parents of the one who have memorized and applied the Qur'an, how about the status of the one who is actually the person of Qur'an? Allah honors the parents of this individual. How about the one who actually is the person of Qur'an himself? What kind of honor do you think he's going to get? From his honors, as mentioned in another hadith, Right? It will be said to the person of Quran in front of all of mankind, in front of all the believers, in front of all your friends and your teachers and your parents, people you grew up with, and everyone to walk the earth. It will be said to you if you meet the commitments of what being from the person of Quran. It will be said to that person read and recite and keep reciting till you can't recite anymore. For indeed, your status keep, will keep elevating. It is your status in Jannah will keep elevating based on how much Quran you recite. Based on how much Quran you recite. Right? And the more Quran you recite, it's only going to be based on not how much you read it or how much you beautified recitation with it. It will be based on how much you applied it. The more Quran you read, that's what's elevating. Imagine right now, how, for many of us, how easy it is it to just recite some Quran. How easy it is to just recite Qur'an. 
right? Imagine all you need to do to elevate your status and get to the highest levels of Jannah is to just keep reading. Just keep reading Quran. Keep reading. And whenever you stop, that's where your status stops. We'll conclude with this story. And this elaborates on this virtue that we mentioned of the people of Quran. Al Imam Al Muqri Hamza ibn Habib Al Zayyat. Hey, Sheikh Abdullah. Abdullah. Al Zayyat. What is Zayyat? You know. You know. You know. Hamza ibn Habib Al Zayyat. Okay. The name of this Imam is Hamza ibn Habib Al Zayyat. I asked Sheikh Abdullah, what is Al Zayyat? Right? Zayyat means the one who uh, who trend uh, who does business with oil. Right? You guys are like, what kind of name is that? Why would I want to be attributed back to selling oil, right? This was a laqab, this is one of his names because this is what his father was going to do. This is how the Arabs used to what? Name their children and people were known by what? What their father was known as and all that, right? This is just to show the state of poverty that these people were in. Imam Hamza is one of the Imams of one of the ten modes of recitation. Many of you may have heard the, uh, the mode of recitation, Khalif and Hamza or Khalad and Hamza, right? Imam Hamza is one of the people whom Allah has chosen to preserve one of the modes of recitation from Ali ibn Abi Talib to preserve this mode of recitation, right? And is known and been accepted by the entire Ummah to be one of the ten modes of recitation. This man, it is reported that he had a dream. And before I mention this, is a very disclaimer we must mention, right? As, as Muslims, we don't base our beliefs on someone's dreams, right? Someone had a dream and was like, oh man, that's that's what I'm about to do today. Or like this dream gave me, you know, it gave me revelation, it gave me a vision. So I'm about to go do what my dream said. No, as Muslims, we don't believe dreams, our dreams, right, are to be what we base our beliefs in, correct? But the Prophet did mention that our dreams, our dreams could show us what is to happen, right? And there's a portion of revelation still left in the remainder of this ummah with our dreams. And this is only given to the people of what? Who are close to Allah. The scholars, the people who dedicated their lives and learned the religion, right? Like this man, right? So he had a dream. It was narrated by his, his student, Sulaim ibn Isa. Sulaim ibn Isa is one of the people who studied under Hamza. Imam Hamza, rahimahullah, right? And this is found in Kitab al-Muzim. Kitab al-Muzim, one of the greatest, great books of fiqh al-Hadith that are present today in the Shafi'i Madhab, right? So this is an authentic chain, right? So one day the student of Imam Hamza sees Hamza himself crying, crying and rubbing his face in the dirt, right? So he said, yeah, yeah, Imam, what has put you in the state? He said, by Allah, I had a dream. I had a dream last night. And this dream, the scenario of this dream was the day of judgment. So I had a dream. And in that dream that I was in, it was the day of judgment. So he goes and describes this dream. Right? And he says, there was a caller who called on the day of judgment, and they were calling the people of Quran. And I realized I was around the people of Quran on that day. So there was a caller, and there was a specific place that was meant for the people of Quran. And I was amongst them. Right? So he saw the people entering this area that was specified for the people of Quran. There was a caller who said, people of Quran come here. Right? So the people were going, people were going, and then this caller calls again and says, this is only for the people who have applied the Quran. Right? So here, just to another disclaimer, everything that is mentioned here, 
will come in accordance to a hadith that we mentioned by the Prophet Everything has to do, it will come in accordance to a hadith of the Prophet Right? Okay. So, it was told people of Quran, come here. Tayyip. And you are not considered to be from the people of Quran if you didn't apply it. So, in what did Imam Hamza do? He stopped. He said, I stopped and I took a step back. He didn't feel like he was from those people. Right? He stopped, he paused, he was shook, and he stepped back. He started approaching, then this, this condition was imposed. So he stepped back. Right? Then this caller calls again and says, Ya Hamza, la alayk. Oh Hamza, don't worry. Come. Meaning you are from them. Come. So he enters this gathering. And within this gathering, he hears everyone there reciting Quran. Allah. Imagine being, this is the day of judgment, and Allah gives you the opportunity to be from the people of Quran on the day where you are seeking so much help and assistance. And Allah favors you from all of creation, and you are in a gathering where the Quran is being recited. You are in a gathering where the Quran is being recited. How much security are you going to feel on that day if you are from these people? You hear the Quran being recited, mashallah. Right? You will have no grief, no fear if you are amongst the Quran being recited. That's a great sign, right? So he hears the Quran being recited and he's shook again. He's shook, he's nervous, he doesn't know what to do. So he hears another, uh, another call from the same caller. We don't know who the caller is, right? He hears another call and this caller notices that Hamza is in a state of distress. So he says, yeah, Hamza, again, don't worry. You are in a good spot. As long as you're here, that means you did something right, right? This caller calls again and says, Ya Hamza iqra min al-an'am. This caller calls upon Hamza. Imam Hamza says, Oh Hamza, read from Surah Al-An'am, which is the, the sixth chapter of the Quran. Right? What do you think Hamza did? He says, Wait, hold on one second, let me go review. You think he did that? Let me go review real quick, and I'll get An'am. Give me like 10-20. Let me review An'am, the Surah, and I'll get back. You think he did that? No. These people have itqan. They have strengthened the Quran. So you're told to recite on the spot they're reciting. So he said, I saw myself reciting Right? So he begins reading an'am. And everyone around him is reading the Quran. And then I get to the 60th verse of Surah Al-An'am. And he is the omniscient, the facilitator, the one who looks over his creation. Right? So the, the caller stops him. And the caller says, Ya Hamza, alasta al-qahira fawqa ibadi? The caller says, Oh Hamza, am I not the one who is looking over his servants? Fantabahtu, qala Hamza, fantabahtu. Walahaftu an yaqra'u ala rabbil So I paid attention. And I realized I was reading upon Allah as such. He read the verse, and he is, the Quran says, and he is the one who looks over all of his creation, omniscient over his creation. And then the caller said, Oh Hamza, am I not the one who was looking over all of the creation? So he realized who he was reading to. Allah Azza wa You're reading to Allah Azza wa But he told me to continue. So I continued until I got to the end of An'am. Inna rabbaka rahim. I got to the end of I finished An'am. Then I began A'raf. Seventh chapter, and if Lam Mim Sad, right? Until I got to the end of A'raf. What's special about the end of A'raf? Anyone know? 
Where's half a sub? Zishan, you hear? What's special about the end of A'la? Sujood, Sajid Tilawah. There's a sujood, the first sujood in the Quran. Right? So what do you think Imam Hamza is going to do when he comes in the, in the verse? Right? That verse where there's a sujood, you prostrate at the end of that verse. What is Imam Hamza going to do? Imam, Mukri. What is he about to do? Prostrate. So he's going into prostration. Allah calls upon him and says, He said, No worries, Hamza. Why? There's no ibadah on the day, there's no worship on the day of judgment. There's no work to be done on the day of judgment. Prostrating is the act of worship. There's no worship to be done on this day. Suffices what you have done in the dunya. That's enough. You are a man of virtue today. Today you will be honored. That is what Allah is saying to him. Look at the people of Quran. Look at the status you are given on the day where everyone is running away from their parents, from their children. And you are given the status of being from the people of Quran. That's what he says. Right? So he finishes A'raf. And then Allah says to him, Ya Hamza. says to him, Ya Hamza. Al-Qur'an kalam. The Qur'an is my speech. He says, the Qur'an is my speech. And I have made it impermissible to punish a soul that has been acquainted with the Qur'an. Listen to these words. I made it impermissible for someone to be punished that has a heart that is acquainted with the Qur'an. This is what was said to him. And the dream prolongs, and wallahi, the virtues of it is immense. The virtues of it is immense. Everything I've mentioned here, these scenarios, of course it's a dream. We're not saying we believe this is going to happen to Hamza. We wish this for him, Imam Hamza, rahimahullah ta'ala, right? But all these scenarios and how it's happened, it's in detail in the hadith. And what is known as these righteous people who have been given this virtue, where they see these kind of dreams, Right? Like I said, we don't build our beliefs on this, right? But it's just to see, take a lesson from this, right? Look how Allah teaches the people and treats them. These are the people the day where everyone's in need of some sort of assistance, some sort of aid, something to hold them down. The best thing that's going to hold you down, like I said, and the Quran is the best intercessor to have on that day. The best thing that comes is the souls. That if it is found in the souls, you're from the Aminin on the day of judgment. You're from the secure ones on the day of judgment. May Allah make us from these people. May Allah make us from the people of the Quran. May Allah allow us to be acquainted with this Quran. May Allah allow this Quran to be a proof for us and not against us. May Allah make us from those who recite the Quran in this proper manner. May Allah allow us to be uprised on the day of judgment with the people of Qur'an. May Allah make us from the people of Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people of Qur'an. May Allah make this Qur'an approved for us and not against us. May Allah make this Qur'an a means for our parents' status to be uplifted on our day of judgment.